So welcome. It's uh, lovely to have such a, a packed building this morning. And I'd like to give a very warm, warm welcome to everyone here and to those watching as well online. Uh, it's always a, a privilege to come together at our services, uh, even more so this week as we have the, the special joy of a baptism service. Uh, Caitlin and uh, Charlie have many friends and relatives and many of you have come to support them, to show interest, to be here on this occasion and we'd like to give you a very special welcome uh, this morning. Just want to explain a little bit about the service at the start. So our service will include many of the good normal parts of a service here. Um, there'll be some songs of praise, there will be a Bible reading and a prayer or two. Uh, we love hear te- hearing a teaching from the Bible here at the church, and that forms quite a big part of our service. And today, uh, Mark Philpot, our assistant pastor this morning, is going to be giving that to us. And all of these different elements will bear in mind the special day that it is. Um, also, during the service, we're really pleased that uh, Caitlin and Charlie are willing to tell their stories of how God has worked in their life. So we look forward to that as part of the service later on. Then the baptisings themselves will be at the very end of the service this morning. Now it may be that the whole idea of of baptism is fairly new to you, uh, especially the baptism of adults like we have here this morning. Well, Jesus said that those people who begin to follow him and trust him uh, should be baptised to show it. Uh, The baptism itself doesn't do anything special, it's just normal water that we have in the pool there this morning, but it is a picture. It's a picture of somebody leaving their old life behind and coming up and living a new life. It's a picture of them saying that all the things that I've done wrong, all my guilt, my shame, has been washed away and I'm a forgiven person. I'm siding now with Jesus. I'm identifying my life with him. So it's so great to have uh, uh, Charlie and and Caitlin uh, willing to do that this morning and we look forward to their baptism at the end of the service. Uh, After the service, uh, lunch is laid on for anyone who wants to stay, so feel free to stay and enjoy the lunch that is laid on in the hall next to us. Uh, The only other notice I have to give is for church members to remind them that there's a quarterly church meeting on Tuesday this week. Well, baptism does point to a change in people's lives. Sometimes that change happens gradually, but as we look back and reflect on it, we realise that a, a very big change has happened in our lives, which God has brought about. And this is shown in our first song. So we're going to sing together our first song now. I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way. So as the music starts, please do stand and we shall sing this one through.
going to come to our main Bible reading now. Uh, We said that uh, baptism shows a a change in people's lives and now we're going to read a part of the Bible. It was written to Christians in a city called Ephesus and it's been left for us as part of God's inspired word and it shows the big change that's happened in their life and it shows what caused it. So I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 to 10, and Mark is going to be speaking on part of this later on. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, we look forward later on to hearing from part of that passage And we're going to come together now uh, uh, in prayer, so I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you on this special day, but at the outset of our prayer, we lift our sights beyond the comings and goings and busyness of even a, a very happy day and its events like this and our minds are turned to you in praise and worship to the God who is almighty, to the God who is a God of glory, to the God who knows not only 
the big things, the earthquakes, the tornadoes, but a God who knows what is said in whispers. The God who knows our inner thoughts. The God who knows things before we even say them. The God who is the maker of heaven and earth so that the vast galaxies in their millions, with their billions of stars, uh, millions of light years away from each other, brought them into being by his power. And yet a God who has made the microbiological processes which give us life. We come to you as the God of justice, who sets what is right and which is wrong. In our different nations, we have our different cultures and our different laws But you, Lord, are the God of justice and righteousness. And you set the bar and you are our judge. And we come to you, Lord, as a God of great goodness and kindness so that even in our broken world, with its many sadnesses and difficulties, uh, we have had food and most of us have had sleep and we're well enough to be here. We praise you for that. We come to you as a God of love and of kindness and of grace, and we especially remember that this morning. We thank you for the way in which you sent Jesus into the world as Saviour, and the way in which you work in people's lives to turn them to yourselves. We're especially delighted at this day um, as uh, Charlie and Caitlin uh, make clear the way in which they have come to trust in you and follow you as their Lord and Saviour. We thank you for them both. We praise you for what you have taught them, for the way you've been with them. We know they've had many ups and downs and difficulties in life, and yet you've brought them to this stage. And we rejoice with them, their families and friends, on this occasion. We pray, Lord, there will be a lot of joy in this occasion. and We pray it will lead to your praise. And we pray for them as they are at the start, really, of a public Christian life in a more definite way. We pray, Lord, that you would help them to live for you, to make wise choices, to grow in knowledge of you, to be fruitful in their lives, to endure difficulties and suffering with faith, and to be thankful in their hearts for what you have done for them. As we pray for them this morning, We pray for ourselves, that as we are here, seeing this event, hearing the things that we will hear, we pray it will do us good. It will help us in our journey, in our thoughts. It will turn us towards you and might prove a really significant day in the lives of some. And so we bring all these things to you and we pray through Jesus Christ, who died and rose again. In his name we pray. Amen. Uh, Well, both uh, Charlie and Caitlin have chosen uh, songs for us this morning, and our next song is Caitlin's Choice. And it's uh, the lovely song, When I fear, my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. Fast. Let's stand to sing together our second song.
so we give the, the gentle encouragement to those who are being baptised that it would be lovely if they felt they could uh, tell their story uh, to, to, to those who come together to see their baptism. And uh, Caitlin and Charlie have been brave enough to do that. I hope they're not regretting it now. Uh, it's lovely to have them being willing to do that. So we're going to have that as, uh, the, as uh, the next part of the service. So Caitlin, if you could come up first and... Uh, you select her, and that would be great. Thank you. I've grown up in a Christian home, and I have been going to church my whole life. I have been going on camps and YPs, and I have heard lots of talks and uh, talks about Jesus, but I, but they never really stuck out to me. I thought a talk would, like I have heard in some other people's testimonies, but that didn't really happen. I struggled with understanding the Bible stories and I and how they relate to me. I struggled with reading and writing because I am highly dyslexic, so I just kept quiet when it came to reading the Bible in camps and YPs talks. I knew the stories of the Bible from Sunday school in young life, but I always I always felt like I was missing out on something when someone knew the answer to a question straight away and when they knew where it was in the Bible but I didn't know I didn't know what the answer was or where to find it my cousin Steph was a leader on camp I went I went on she helped me to understand understand this this was really helpful Steph sent me Bible verses, which really helped me to to know God and feel closer to Him. Mark Mark also explained things when I was struggling to understand. I spent a lot of time in hospital because I have cystic fibrosis. When I was nine, I became really ill. The surgeon tried to put my stoma in, put a stoma in, as I had a bell, a blocked bell. But they, they were unable to put one in. We, ha- we had many people praying for us, including doctors and nurses. And a year later, my bell blocked again. But this time they were able to put a stoma in. But it wasn't easy because I, I was so ill, my stoma didn't work properly. I believe now, God, God, uh, I believe now that God was there with me. I knew people were praying for me. John and Sai also came to the hospital to read the Bible and pray. Uh, pray with me. And that helped me so much too. When I was okay to go home, it wasn't easy because we had to learn how to care for me and my stoma. I struggled with, I struggled with having a stoma because I felt I was different from everyone else. But God had a plan for me. He carries me through this, and he still is. When I became really ill again, Kaz sent me a message that really helped me through. She let me know that she was praying for me, which made me feel comforted, because when I didn't know what to pray for or even how to pray, other people were praying for me. She said, we don't know why these things happen, 
but I know for a fact that God God has promised he will never leave you. There is a song that explains what I was feeling when I became ill again. The song says, when I feel feel like my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. I was able to rest in the fact that he loved me and will and will help me even if I am struggling with everything. Two verses that have really helped me are Jeremiah twenty twenty nine verse eleven, for I know the plans I have for you, and Isaiah forty one verse ten. Fear not, for I am your, with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. This. These verses help me when I am uh, when I am ill because I uh, because at a wrong time he let he lets us know that he's in control. When I was going through my exams, I had anxiety before each one. I sometimes had a panic attack before the exam, but. In the morning, Dad would say, just pray. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, even if it's just help. I did did this and I felt more calm. When I looked back, when I can look back, now I can look back and see God was there for me. Amanda would send me verses before my exam. The first that really stuck with me is 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Cast all your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. This verse still is really helpful to me because I can get get anxious about going out the house sometimes and we don't know what will happen with my tummy. It is an everyday worry for me. On YPs, Josh was talking about a hymn and he said, God can take your pain away and it and in that moment, I felt like I was uh, felt there was a weight lifted off me, and then I knew I was saved. Because before this, I knew that knew God had helped me, but I still didn't feel very close to Him. Now I've now I felt He had taken my pain away from my sin, as well as helped me with my physical pain. I was. I always thought that I had to be better at reading the Bible or understanding sermons more to be a Christian. Others had told me. Others had told me things like that didn't matter, but it wasn't until I spoke to Rachel Broom at the reef making event that this really hit home. Rachel asked me if I had. If I was baptised, and I said no, she asked why not. I told her because uh, I told her about not feeling good enough. Rachel said, "God loves you even if you can't read. He won't push you away because you can't do something." But now I know that God. Now I know that God won't push me away, but He helped me through he helps me through everything and he has a plan for me 
I found myself I find myself smiling when I hear in rooted Wipers and Church what God has done for me. Thank you so much. That was a lovely day. Hello. For those of you who know me, I'm not great at staying at the front, so if I pass out, just leave me, I'll get up and carry on. Um, yeah, so I grew up, uh, grew up with Christian parents, um, and I enjoyed going to my family's church every week until Sunday football matches took over. Um, I always felt that Jesus was real and God is there somewhere, but I didn't, I didn't really understand what it was to be a Christian and follow Jesus. Um, and some years later, when I was about 15, I started coming here. Uh, joined Forest Folds uh, youth group, um, and I had so much fun. I made some made some great friends down here. Like a lot of you that are still here today. Um, however, I always felt quite ignorant compared to others. Uh, I felt jealous of everyone's Bible knowledge, and felt a bit like an outsider. And but I was, I was too stubborn to do anything about it. I didn't really want to read my Bible that much. Um, I didn't really want to ask too many questions just because I felt like a bit of an idiot. Um, there were times that I did want to change, but then I just didn't know where to start. Um, and I got to about 17 or 18, and there was a, a James Swanson came and he preached. And in his sermon, he said, if you only think you're ready for heaven, then you probably aren't. Uh, and that really stuck with me. And there'd be times where I'd think that I was and I wasn't. And I thought, well, if I'm not, if I'm not sure, then I'm not ready. Um, so it's just going around in circles. Uh, and then for several several years, my life followed a pattern of wanting to follow Jesus, but not wanting to sacrifice things in my life for that, like you know, football, going out drinking with my mates, um, girls. Um, and then I tried to fill my life with more Christian friends uh, to hold me accountable for those things. Uh, I listened to Christian songs in the car with, like, with mates. Um, I occasionally read the Bible. Uh, I'd have Bible studies with like John Fuller, uh, Matt Philpott, um, and some others. And I'd make more of an effort to go to church, thinking that this would be better. Uh, I knew my life was empty without God, but I still wanted to live life my way and do things my own way. Uh, and I got to about 22, uh, and I heard Reuben Saywell preach at Forest Folds. Uh, he was only about my age, I think. Uh, and I was really challenged by seeing someone so young being so passionate about his faith. Uh, and then sometimes, it was some while after this, um, that Bex and I had split up. Uh, and I, I really hit rock bottom. I really hated my life. To be honest, I really despised a lot of people. Didn't really want to be sociable anymore. I just sort of changed. Uh, I was drinking heavily at uni. I oh, sorry, context, this is in my second year at uni. Um, I was drinking heavily a lot up there by myself sometimes. Uh, and getting too involved with girls. Um, I woke up one morning um, I felt physically sick with guilt thinking of all the good things that I had in my life that I'd just thrown away uh, like being, around my, being around my family and my friends um, I had Bex who was you know, great in my life and threw that away I was a YP which is a great thing I mean you guys don't know how good it is uh, wherever you all are I can't really see you <laughs> Um, but it's a fantastic thing, thing being a YP and having fun with like mates like Mark, Luke. 
I realised what a devil, what a hold the devil had over me and how weak I was, how easy it was for me to give in. Um, I didn't really know what to do, so I, I felt completely lost and I prayed. And I prayed really hard and sincerely for the first time in a long while, if ever. I mean, it's hard to know when you pray, like, if you feel sincere, and a lot of time I didn't. For the first time, I really, really felt it. Um, and then I felt a bit more of a sense of calm. I felt some sort of peace, but I still struggled to believe that God would actually forgive me for the things that I'd done. Because um, it felt like I'd sort of been too far past it. For some of you, it might seem like nothing, you know, drinking girls. But for me, after knowing how I should be with God and knowing my relationship with God, it felt like too much for me. Um, so I visited Reuben Sayles Church not long after. Uh, and I heard his dad preach, which is good, um, I think, if I can remember. Uh, and we sang a hymn called Come Ye Sinners. Uh, Part of that is, it says, if you tarry till you're better, which I think means like if you wait till you're better, uh, then you'll never come at all. Um, which seemed really relevant to me. Um, I was just waiting and waiting for the right time to feel as if I was sort of right with God. And a lot of people kept telling me that, you know, it's not about being right with God or something like that. It never really made a lot of sense to me. Um, and it really yeah, made me realise I've got to stop waiting and making excuses. Um, Reuben was a great encouragement to me. We spent some time after that service having some pizza and chatting. I was chatting to him about things I was doing at uni. Um, and he was, he was brilliant. He really challenged me, made me think about it, and encouraged me. You know, he didn't, didn't beat me down about it. Uh, and I finally realised that all I deserve, nothing but God's anger, and ultimately to go to hell one day. Um, God has actually forgiven all my sins, and he's promised me a place in heaven. Um, and I'm so thankful now to say that I am now married to a strong Christian woman who is a massive inspiration in my life. Um, over the last 16 months, she's been so strong through her grief. Um, and even though she was grieving at the time, she was really, she was really good at encouraging me when I was falling short of what God wanted me to do, I'm so grateful to have her in my life. I'm grateful for all of you lot here as well, and my other brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever you may be, or other churches you're at, other countries. I'm surrounded by you lot, and I'm really thankful for your, your prayer and encouragement. You've been amazing, and even though I've really sucked when I've not been here, when I'm being a letdown, you know, you're all just, you're all cracking. <sighs> oh, that's the tears over. <laughs> carry on. Um, I know now that I will never be perfect. Um, but I want to, I do want to honour God in my life. That's something I, I really do want to do. Um, and I, I am relieved to turn away from all the things I was doing, like while I was at university. Um, and I know that God does forgive me because he says so in the Bible. Um, and everyone tells me that it's true. And it's a promise that God has given us. <clears throat> um, one thing that I really take encouragement from is Philippians 3, verse 18. Uh, I think it's like 20 or 21. Um, it's a verse that holds me accountable and it gives me confidence for the future. Uh, the writer says, for, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Uh, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Uh, their mind is set on earthly things, 
but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and now I can say, when I think of James Swanson's, James Swanson's sermon, um, I do know I am ready for heaven. Thank you, Charlie. We're grateful for that heartfelt testimony and thank you both of you for sharing uh, your story. It's uh, been really great for us to hear that. And there was a strong note there of forgiveness um, towards the end and as we come to our, our third song this morning, it just reminds us of where forgiveness is achieved as we sing an older hymn, but a hymn which focuses on the cross of Christ. So it's the song, "'Tis Finished, the Messiah dies, talking about Jesus dying on the cross, cut off for sins, but not his own. Accomplished is the sacrifice, the great redeeming work is done. So we stand to sing this song, and then afterwards Mark's going to give us our Bible message.
good morning. I just want to give you a welcome again. It's good to see people. I think we've got people from all over the country here this morning, so it's great to have you. Thank you as well, Charlie and Caitlin, for uh, sharing your story. It is a big thing coming up here, especially when it's so packed. Feel a bit, little bit better? Good. I think that's the hardest bit done now. But, uh, thank you for sharing it. It's a, it's a treat for us to, to hear that. There's uh, two verses that we're going to focus on this morning. They're verses that have been on my heart as I've been uh, thinking about Charlie and Caitlin being baptised. I hope they'll be a real encouragement to both of you two. Um, but they're also verses that I think will help all the rest of us kind of get what they're doing this morning, what they're saying to us this morning, and get a bit of what God has done for them. And they're these two verses. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So I'm going to spend just a bit of time this morning thinking about what this is saying. Now, many years ago, I was in the hall just through there where there's fellowship lunch. Uh, by the way, I recommend going to that. There's tons of slow cookers in the kitchen. I recommend it. Um, do go through there afterwards. Because I was in that, that hall and I was uh, helping with a class. And the task I was given by the teacher was to help a kid learn a couple of memory verses. And these were the verses that the kid was trying to learn. And I have to say that by the end of that lesson, it was firmly wedged in my mind. I had it firmly in my head. The kid still didn't get it. I have no idea. We read it so many times and he still didn't get it. But for me, it wedged in my mind. And ever since, this was years ago, ever since, they've stayed in my mind and I've been able to memorize them. And they're they're cracking verses. And I recommend it. If you get a chance, try and memorize these verses. Uh, I recommend it. They also include the word grace, which is my favorite word, not just in the Bible, uh, but in the dictionary. And I want all of us, to to get what grace is this morning. Because grace is at the heart of what this is all about. Now, those of you uh, that know Charlie and or Caitlin will know they're pretty talented people. So, for example, I've seen some of the floristry that Caitlin's done. I've been very impressed. I've never seen Charlie's floristry skills, (laughs) but I'm I'm sure he'd give it a good go. Uh, But what I have seen is I have seen him play football. So this week, I went to watch him in a cup final. And uh, it was the most horrendous conditions you can imagine. Sort of the rain was hammering down, the wind was howling about. How they played football, I have no idea. But he beautifully set up the goal that won the game, that won the whole tournament. And here you go, there's a little picture. Maybe you can just see his smiling face there. And it was deserved. You know, that was the final. They'd beaten all the other teams. He got the assist. It was deserved. And I believe you won the league yesterday as well. So it's been a pretty good week. Um, but they worked hard. And they lifted the trophy as a result of that. Now, I'm not sure how many trophies Caitlin has. I don't know. But I do know that she's won an award. And here's the proof. There you go. The Taylor Mitchell Award. And this is a uh, written statement that was published alongside this reward. It says this. When teaching and support staff were asked to nominate a student to receive this prestigious award, one name was unanimously recommended, Caitlin. Caitlin has courage and tenacity in abundance. Without doubt, she thoroughly deserves to have her bravery and perseverance recognised through the Taylor Mitchell Award. Now, those of us who know Caitlin will agree with that. She deserves it. In both of those instances, they deserve what they got. 
the plaudits rightly go to them. But this morning, we're celebrating them receiving something that they definitely don't deserve. Now, in life, we're used to everything being based on what we do, aren't we? So, for example, if you work hard, you're more likely to get a promotion. If you study well, you're more likely to do better in your test, get a good grade. Conversely, if you break the law, you'd expect to be fined or maybe worse. We know the idea of karma, don't we? That whatever we do, whether good or bad, that's what will come back to us. We get what we deserve. But you know, grace in these verses is the complete opposite of that. It's getting what you don't deserve. Getting what you don't deserve. So for example, let's imagine a scenario where um, there's a man and someone comes up and punches him in the face. No good reason. Punches him in the face and runs off. But he's quickly caught and he's brought back to the man he's just punched. And instead of this man who's been punched pressing charges, he buys him lunch. That's grace. Or imagine uh, there's an elderly couple and they've got these neighbours and the kids are a bit of a nightmare. They're constantly throwing and kicking things over the hedge. They've been asked not to, they keep doing it. And um, one day, one of the boys, he kicks this ball over hard. It smashes uh, a um, greenhouse's window. It ruins this old man's prized tomatoes. And he's not massively happy about it. But instead of reacting angrily, he goes next door and he buys all the children ice creams. That is grace. It's not only undeserved, it's the very opposite of what they deserve. What they deserve is justice, I think most of us would agree. But what they receive is grace in the form of a gift. These verses that we're looking at this morning are all about grace. They're all about God's grace. This morning isn't primarily about Charlie and Caitlin, although they're very central to what's going on. This morning is actually about God's grace and goodness to them, even though it's undeserved. There's a man called Randy Alcorn, he's written a book called Grace, and this is what he says right at the start. He says, nothing is as stunning or as hope-giving as God's grace. Nothing is as stunning or as hope-giving as God's grace. Now, one of the things you'll notice very, very quickly if you spend any time at all with Charlie and Caitlin is their big smiles and their big positivity. They're good people to spend time with. And yet, as lovely as they are, both of them have realised that they're not good enough for God. What's the standard for God to be good enough for God? perfection. Well, who can live up to that? Well, no one. In fact, that's what the Bible actually says. The Bible says no one has met God's standard. No one is perfect, however much we might like to think we are sometimes. The reality is, is that being a good person is not good enough for God. The Bible puts it much more bluntly, to be honest. It says we're all lawbreakers. Not necessarily England's laws, but God's laws. We're lawbreakers, every single one of us. In Charlie's testimony, he shared about the guilt that he felt. And many didn't feel even able to come to church. He just felt so much guilt. Caitlin as well talked about the sin in her life. 
Now, maybe you struggle to relate to that. And maybe that you've just never thought about anything wrong in your life. You're good enough. You don't feel guilty about anything. Or it may be that you're the other end of the spectrum, as it were, and actually you can really resonate with that. And, and you're sitting here this morning, and actually you feel overwhelmed by guilt. And maybe there's secrets in your life, and maybe guilt is just eating away at you. Well, if that is you this morning, there is hope for you this morning, because Charlie and Caitlin have found it. Many of others of us here have found it. So keep listening, because there is hope for you if you feel guilt like that. See, the Bible tells us actually all of us have sin. This is what the Bible says. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And the problem is, is that this is a serious matter. The Bible says the penalty for sin is severe. And it's not because God is some sort of angry, harsh God who just loves punishing people. It's actually because God is holy and good. He has to deal with sin severely because sin is such a serious issue. And just a a quick side note, if you you doubt the goodness of God, again, keep listening, because a bit later on we'll see the goodness of God. You see, the punishment of penalty, sorry, the, the penalty for sin is severe. The judgment is death. It's death and separation from God forever. That's what the Bible says very clearly. It's as if we're in the courtroom of God, and the verdict has come back for each and every one of us, and it says guilty. Deserving of death. That's what we deserve. If we all got what we deserved, well, that would be it. But grace. Remember God's grace. That's what we're thinking about this morning. You see, when we experience grace, like Charlie and Caitlin have, God doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead, he gives us a free gift. So he gives us a gift. And the whole point of a gift is that it's free, isn't it? You don't have to pay for a gift. Someone else does, but you don't. It's free, it's a gift. I wonder what the the greatest gift you've ever received or seen being given is. I saw a a YouTube video the other day where someone gave his mum their dream car. It was about 100 grand, had everything. It was incredible. And uh, she was blown away by it. It was a grand gesture. It's not always about money, is it? Sometimes the best gifts are ones that have just, where someone's put incredible thought into it. Or someone's put unbelievable amounts of time into it or energy into it. I think the gift that God gives here is the greatest gift in the history of the world. He gives his own son to us. God gives his son, Jesus, to us. Last week, uh, if you were here, we celebrated Easter. Maybe some of you celebrated it elsewhere. What were we celebrating? Well, on Easter Sunday, we celebrate Jesus rising again. But we also celebrated what happened on Good Friday. Why did Jesus die? What do we think about then? Well, what we remember, as God reveals to us, is that Jesus died to face God's righteous and good justice so that we don't have to. So why is Good Friday It's about Jesus dying instead of us. Jesus taking that punishment instead of us. It's as if Jesus comes into the courtroom where we've just been announced as guilty and he says, I will take the verdict. I will take the punishment. Jesus willingly comes in and he offers himself for us. 
It's the greatest act of love. It's the greatest sacrifice ever seen. In the the chapter before the verses that we're looking at this morning, uh, it describes it. Uh, it describes God as being rich in mercy and having great love. Caitlin said, didn't she? She was able to rest in the fact that He loves me. And then uh, it says again in the chapter beforehand. It says it talks about uh, the immeasurable riches of God's grace in kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus. The immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It's an undeserved gift of God. We do not deserve it. But Jesus gave up his life so that we could be made right with God. What Charlie and uh, Caitlin are saying to us this morning is that they've been saved. That comes up in our verse. It says, by grace you have been saved. They've been saved from the guilty verdict from God and the consequences that deserves. So this is what Caitlin said in her testimony. She says, I know I was saved. Before this, I knew God had helped me, but I still didn't really feel close to him. Now I felt he had taken away the pain of my sin as well as helping me with my physical pain. And Charlie said this, although I think I've got the original copy, which might have been slightly edited, but I promise you he did say this. It never made sense to me when people said they love God. But after the last few years of going through the motions, I get it. And it means so much to me now that even after all I've done, and knowing I deserve nothing but God's wrath, he forgives all my sins and even says that I'll be saved. See, they've been forgiven. They've been saved have been rescued from God's judgment by God himself. God himself is the rescuer from his own righteous judgment. And what's God done for them as well? He's given them life, spiritual life. The Bible talks about it as eternal life. The Bible teaches that yes, they will die, their bodies will die, but one day they will be raised, just like Jesus was raised on Easter Sunday. It's partly why we love Easter so much, because it's not just about Jesus rising from the dead. It's a picture for Christians that we too will rise one day with him. This is what it says in uh, the book of Romans in the Bible. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As Caitlin finished up, she said, I find myself smiling when I hear of what God has done for me. I find myself smiling when I hear what God has done for me. This morning is all about what God has done for them. And they'll be the first to say that. It's not about what they've done for God. Because that's covered in our verse. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is not about what they've done. This isn't works that they've achieved to get to this point of baptism. Coming to know God, you know, is not about ability. It's not about putting in the effort. It's not about how much intelligence you have. That's not how we get to know God. It doesn't work. One of the things that really struck me about both of their testimonies, actually, was the fact that both of them felt like they barely knew anything. And they'd often stay quiet, like in groups when they were thinking about some of these things, they'd often stay quiet because they were a bit embarrassed about the fact they didn't know anything. This is what Caitlin says. I struggled with understanding the Bible stories and how they related to me. 
I struggle with reading and writing because I'm highly dyslexic. So I just kept quiet when it came to reading the Bible in the group. I knew the stories of the Bible from Sunday school and young life, but I always felt like I was missing out on something when someone knew the answer to a question straight away, and when they knew where it was in the Bible, but I didn't know what the answer was or where to find it. And then later she says, I always thought that I had to be better at reading the Bible or understanding the sermons more to be a Christian. And then Charlie, uh, again in my version, he said, my knowledge of the Bible is on par with a Sunday school kid. And then later on he said, um, I would also attend the YP Bible studies, but felt so out of place because of my incredibly poor knowledge of the Bible. They'd all come with incredible examples and passages, and I'd sit there like a lemon half of the time thinking how smart these people are. I was very jealous and wanted to know more, but always felt like it was too late. You know, neither of them have come this morning feeling very impressive in the knowing about God department. But it's not about them. It's not about how much they know. It's not about how much they've achieved. It's not about how many religious stuff they've done. And isn't that a relief for you guys? It's not about you. You haven't got to pass a test to know God. You haven't got to be good enough for God. We can't do it. We can't reach that perfection. We can't earn our way to God. It doesn't matter how religious we are. It doesn't matter how many good deeds we do. In fact, actually what happens is the more we try and live a perfect life, the more it actually just shows up how bad we are. The only way that we can come into God's presence, the only way that Charlie and Caitlin have found peace with God is the free gift that has been given to us, Jesus. In uh, 1987, there was an 18-month-old baby called um, Jessica, call her baby Jessica. She fell 22 feet into a well in Texas. And rescue workers spent 55 grueling hours trying to get this baby out. And they finally got her out alive. And it, it was a story that gripped the nation, and the whole nation sort of breathed this sigh of relief that this baby had been rescued. And, of course, baby Jessica was very central to the story. She was what it was kind of all about. But the stories weren't praising baby Jessica. She wasn't the hero. The heroes were the rescue workers that had worked so hard to get her out. She was a helpless baby. She couldn't do anything to get herself out. You know, it's a bit like that with God. You know, God is the great rescuer. We're a bit like baby Jessica. You know, without God rescuing us, there's nothing we can do to get to God. We're we're stuck. We're facing death, the Bible says. God is the great rescuer. He doesn't just give a few hours of grueling work. He gives his life. So does this mean the fact that it's not of our own doing, it's not about works that we do, does this mean that we never do good works? Why do you see Christians trying to do good works? Well, it's not about trying to earn God's acceptance. It's about saying thank you. It's about saying, God, thank you for rescuing me. I want to serve you. I want to love other people. I want to be like Jesus because you died for me. It's about saying thank you. So God has given us this gift. But you know, when you receive a gift, or when someone offers you a gift, you still have to receive it, don't you? I've seen videos, or maybe you've seen it in real life, where people have rejected gifts for different reasons. It has to be received as well. So how do we receive this gift? If you haven't received it already and you think, actually, I want to receive this, how do we receive it? Well, the last bit of our verse, through faith, through faith. 
in Jesus. We receive it simply by placing our trust and our belief in Jesus. That's how we receive it. That's what Caitlin and Charlie have done. They've simply believed in Jesus. They've said, Jesus, I want to follow you. You're the only one that can rescue me. And Charlie says this, he says, I know there is no life for me worth living if I am not living for God. It's all of God's grace. It's all undeserved kindness from God to us. And then I'm going to finish with this. This is the very last verse of the Bible. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Well, I realise there are some big things that we've said there. The Bible makes some huge claims. If you want to chat any of it through, chat it through with a friend or come and chat to one of us. We'd be more than happy to do that. Um, Or chat to Charlie and Caitlin. Um, Presumably you've come uh, because of them. Chat to them. Speak to them a bit more about it. I'm sure they'd love to do that. In a minute we're going to sing. um, And then after that we're going to have the baptism. Just say, um, at the end of the song, uh, children, if you'd like to go up to get nearer the pool, do feel free to. Just be aware the rope here is not there anymore, so children be especially careful at the front. But if you want to come nearer, if you're in the gallery, maybe come to the front as well at the end. Um, And in terms of those around the pool, maybe if you're really close and can see sitting down, if you stay sitting down, if you can't see sitting down, maybe if everyone stands up, that would be good. But before that, uh, we're going to sing a, a song. I think it's a song that most of you will know. It's by a guy called John Newton, written many, many years ago. Um, He was a man that was full of anger and pain, and uh, he was actually a commander on a slave ship many, many years ago. And so he would um, dock his boat off Africa, they would grab slaves, they would pack them in. When they died, they'd throw them overboard. And uh, during a, a raging storm at sea, John Newton gave his life to Jesus. And as he got to know God and more, God more, he realized that the horror of what he was doing. And his life was so changed that he actually ended up spending the rest of his life fighting hard against slavery. And he wrote a lot of hymns about his experience. And uh, the one that's the most famous one that many of us know is Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Uh, and you can feel the, the sense of it as he sings, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing.
So do most of you stay standing, but those very close uh, sitting down so that as many people as possible can see, but uh, it will be also uh, shown on the screen. So a great hymn that we just sung, that was actually uh, Charlie's Choice, Amazing Grace, what a wonderful uh, song we sang there. Uh, we're coming now to the, the baptism part of the service, uh, just to explain a, a little bit of what's going to, to happen before we go through. Um, I'm going to give uh, 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 Caitlin and Charlie a, a Bible verse, just to encourage them at, uh, at this uh, time, uh, and then um, afterwards, I'm going to go down into the water with Charlie, and uh, I'll ask a couple of questions just so that he can confirm that he's repented and believed, and then I'll baptise Charlie. And as he comes up out of the water, we're going to sing uh, the song, or the first verse and chorus of the song, To God Be the Glory. Uh, The words should come up on screen. It's a bit of a job for the tech people to get it go from camera to words, but that's the plan, so that we can sing that verse and chorus. And then uh, Caitlin will go down as well, and I'll baptise Caitlin, and as she comes up, we'll sing another verse of that song, the third verse, and the chorus as well, before Mark uh, closes in prayer. So that's the, the plan. So, I have some Bible verses and uh, I've, I've got two verses. They are, they are linked, um, you'll see. And uh, in a way, they're for both of you. And indeed, they're relevant to all of us. Uh, they've got the word steadfast in, but used in different ways. Um, so if I give one for you first, uh, Caitlin. So what I was thinking about for you is in a book called Lamentations in the Bible. And it's about the steadfast love of God. We've heard a lot about the love of God this morning. And here we read about the steadfast love of God. It's actually a sad book, as the, the, the um, book name gives, gives a clue, really, Lamentations. And uh, so it's a time of great difficulty. And you've known a lot of difficulties in your life, uh, many things that you've been through. But this is something that you've known through those times and it reminds you of that, and as you go forward with the future, whatever that holds, there are verses to lay hold of. It goes, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So you've known that, I'm reminding you of it, the steadfast love, something to keep in mind as you go forward. And Charlie, the verse for you has also got steadfast in. Uh, It was a verse that we were looking at, actually, in the chapter last week on Easter Sunday. And um, it tells us really how to live, uh, given the fact that Jesus has died and uh, been raised again for us. It tells us about the life going forward. And the steadfast word is used a bit different there. He says at the end of this long chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And when we've known God's steadfast love in our life, as you both have, as we seek to go forward, we seek in response from his grace and his love to be steadfast, immovable, always up to the things that he wants us to be involved with. Therefore, my beloved brothers, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work 
of the Lord. Well, I'm going to go down into the water after I've taken my bit of kit out. been heated a little, so it's uh, not too cold. <laughs> so, uh, Charlie, have you been made sorry for your sin and confessed it to God? Have you turned from it as a way of life? And have you begun with God's help to aim to live a life that pleases him? Yes, I have. Charlie, do you trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as your Saviour? Do you believe that through his death and resurrection there is forgiveness and everlasting life? Absolutely, I do. Well, on your, on your repentance toward God and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Saviour, I baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have you been made sorry for your sin and confessed it to God? Have you turned from it as a way of life and have you begun with God's help to aim to live a life that pleases him? Yes, I have. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as your Saviour? Do you believe that through his death and resurrection is forgiveness and everlasting life? Yes, I do. Well, upon your repentance toward God, and your faith in Jesus as your Saviour, I baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
pray to finish our service this morning. Lord God, we thank you so much for Charlie and Caitlin and for all they mean to us. We thank you for them. But Lord, we especially thank you for what you've done for them. Lord, for giving Jesus. Lord, so they can be saved, rescued, and they can follow you. And Lord, I really pray, Lord, that in their new life as they follow you, Lord, that you would help them, strengthen them, keep them, bless them. And Lord, may they be a real blessing to others. And Lord, I thank you as well so much. We've got so many others here this morning, friends and family. Lord, we thank you so much. We've all been here this morning. We pray that you bless us. We pray that you keep us safe as we go our different ways home. In Jesus' name. Amen.